We've just published the book, The Adventures of Lola Badiola. It's the perfect complement for this podcast. It includes complete transcripts, explanations, and quizzes. So buy it now on Amazon. Hello and welcome back to The Adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last episode, J-Block had just been hacked by a mysterious intruder called Pluto. In this episode, we are going to return to North Korea and find out the latest on Kim and Park. Here we go. The Adventures of Lola Badiola Chapter 33 The Empty Space Park woke up at 7am on a dark winter's morning. He had a freezing cold shower, then shaved the few hairs that grew from his chin. He opened his bottle of dragon aftershave and breathed in the smell. Then he practiced some martial arts moves in front of the mirror. He was seeing the girl with the almond eyes that evening. One day, very soon, he would lose his virginity. He walked into the living room and turned on the television. As always, he watched the sports channel. There was a documentary about the conflict between men and women in the US Football Federation. The women were complaining against the gender pay gap that existed in their sport and the unconscious bias against them in all areas of American society. The presenter of the TV program argued that this conflict was evident of an imminent Marxist revolution in the US. She proudly exclaimed that no such gender discrimination occurred in the People's Democratic Republic of Korea. Park carefully opened the door of his dodgy electric fridge, making sure that he didn't trip the electric circuit. It had been broken since he moved into the apartment two and a half years earlier. He took out some leftover kimchi from the previous night and prepared his breakfast. Half an hour later he was on his way to work, It was a bitterly cold morning in early February, and there was a sprinkling of snow on the ground, so he decided to wear his Russian-manufactured army coat and boots. They were a gift from the Supreme Leader to all the hackers of Section 6523 of the Ministry of Information, following the successful ransomware attack of the English post office the previous year. The coat was made of compressed sheep's wool wrapped in canvas and was incredibly heavy, but it did the job and kept out the cold. By the time Park reached the bus stop, he was sweating. He sat at the back of the bus. It was a 45-minute journey to work which gave him time to review his assignments. His targets were three interrelated companies, Banco Cantabrico, Texpania and SMZ. He also had a personal project in the form of a cybersecurity startup called JBlock, He intended to return to their system later that week and finish the job. There were few people on the bus at that time of day. He normally chatted with Kim on his way to work, but his best friend had degenerated even further in his attempt to convince the world that he was suicidal. Kim had become completely antisocial and spent most nights sleeping at the ministry underneath his desk. It was February 8th, two days to go until his escape from the fatherland. Park got off the bus and entered his workplace. He passed under the huge clock at the entrance of the Ministry of Information. It was five minutes to nine, so there was still a little time before his official workday began. 
He walked up the stairwell with several other hackers until he reached his department. The moment that he entered the open plan floor of Section 6523 of the Ministry of Information, he knew that something was wrong. As he got closer to his workstation, the feeling of fear inside him grew stronger. His heart started to pound, his head started to throb, and his vision started to blur. It was dreamlike, as if the world around him had become slow and distorted. He sat down at his desk and mechanically turned on his computer. Then he took out a pen and pretended to make some notes. He was almost too afraid to look up, but he had to make sure that what he'd seen was real. Very slowly and carefully he raised his head and looked across the hallway. His worst fears were confirmed. Kim was not there. Kim's computer was not there. Kim's desk was not there. There was nothing left but an empty space. Okay, let's start off today's session by reviewing the Saxon genitive. Have a listen to this sentence again. Mark woke up at 7am on a dark winter's morning. In general, we use the Saxon genitive to express possession. So instead of saying the podcast of Sam, which is perfectly acceptable, but sounds a little bit too formal, we would instead say Sam's podcast. Sam apostrophe S. That's the Saxon genitive. Now, when we're talking about possession, we are normally referring to possession by a person, the manager's office, or possibly an animal, my dog's ball, but certainly something that is living and breathing. But we can also use the Saxon genitive when referring to certain time periods. So instead of saying, it was the morning of a dark winter, which is grammatically correct, but sounds a little bit too much like Charles Dickens or any other 19th century novelist. Instead of saying that, we would say, it was a dark winter's morning. Instead of saying, the meeting of today, we would say today's meeting. We would say this year's annual report. So just be aware, the Saxon genitive does not just include possession by a person or an animal. It can also be used when referring to periods of time. Okay, let's move on to another grammar point that sometimes confuses non-native speakers. Here we go. There were few people on the bus at that time of day. He normally chatted with Kim on his way to work. What's the difference between there were few people on the bus at that time of day and there were a few people on the bus at that time of day? Few versus a few. They imply very different things. So be careful with your use of the indefinite article a here. So few people, 
that is without the indefinite article implies that the number is low. Here we are emphasizing that there were not many people on the bus. A few people, which includes the indefinite article, implies that the number may be small, but it's significant. Here we are emphasizing that there were indeed some people on the bus. It wasn't, in fact, empty. So if somebody asks you how many people attended the meeting, and you say, few people attended the meeting, you are emphasizing that the number of people is low, perhaps less than expected. If, on the other hand, you say, a few people attended the meeting, then you're emphasizing that there were indeed some people there, perhaps within the range of what was expected. Okay, let's now move on to some interesting vocabulary. Have a listen to this again. He was seeing the girl with the almond eyes that evening. One day, very soon, he would lose his virginity. To lose your virginity. Well, this is something that a lot of teenagers become absolutely obsessed with. Because if you are a virgin, you have yet to have sex. And when you have sex for the first time, you lose your virginity. You might recall Madonna's famous pop song, Like a Virgin, Touched for the Very First Time. Well, in Park's case, he's already around 30 years old, and he has yet to lose his virginity. So understandably, it has become a bit of an obsession for him. Sex is something he is very keen to experience. And I would imagine that most of his friends and colleagues in North Korea have already lost their virginity. Now, here's an interesting question for you. Do you know which countries have the lowest and highest average ages for losing your virginity? I did some research for this podcast and I discovered the following. According to a survey by Durex, the maker of condoms, the country with the lowest age is Iceland. I suppose it's so cold there that teenagers need to share their body warmth with each other. And then, I guess, one thing leads to another. So the average age for losing your virginity in Iceland is 15.6 years. That's followed by Denmark, then Sweden, then Finland, and then Norway. Yep, it must be something to do with the cold weather. At the other end of the spectrum, the country with the highest average age for losing virginity is Malaysia at 23 years, followed by India and then Singapore and then China. In Spain and Italy, it's around 19 years old. In France and the UK, it's about 18 and a half years old. In the US, it's about 18, and in Germany, it's about 17 and a half. So, how do you compare with these numbers? 
Are you above or below average? I'm definitely below average. By Malaysian standards, at least. <clears throat> okay, some more vocabulary. Here we go. Park carefully opened the door of his dodgy electric fridge, making sure that he didn't trip the electric circuit. Dodgy is such a useful word. It's used by native English speakers, particularly British people, all the time. Because it means that something is not quite right. Something's not really working. Something can't really be trusted. But you don't exactly know why, or you can't explain why, or you don't want to explain why. It's just a gut feeling that you have about something. Now, it mainly refers to tangible objects. You might say, God, this car is a bit dodgy. Or, be careful with the fridge. It's a bit dodgy. But it can also refer to people. Be careful when you're dealing with a purchasing manager. He's dodgy. You can't really trust him. It's one of those words that covers so many different possibilities. And that's why it's so useful and so common. Okay, here's another term of interest. The moment that he entered the open plan floor of section 6523 of the Ministry of Information, he knew that something was wrong. An open plan office is clearly one without any walls, where everybody can see and hear each other. Now, there are some businesses where open plan offices are advantageous. For example, where I worked on the trading floor of an investment bank, this is an open plan environment. And it needs to be, because all the salespeople, the traders, the analysts, they all have to be in direct contact with each other on a minute-by-minute -minute basis so they can react to the news and the changing market conditions. On the other hand, if you are working in research and development, in strategy, or in most kinds of creative industries, an open plan office environment can be very distracting. In fact, there's research that shows that workers can be up to 40% less productive in an open plan office than a quiet private office. What do you think about that? Do you work in an open plan office? Would you prefer more privacy and quiet? Which of the two do you think works better in your industry? Okay, let's discuss a couple of interesting concepts. Have a listen to this again. The women were complaining against the gender pay gap that existed in their sport and the unconscious bias against them in all areas of American society. The gender pay gap. Well, this is simply the difference in pay that men and women receive. The difference between the average hourly earnings of a man and a woman. Now, according to Eurostat, in 2020, the gross hourly earnings of women were on average 13% below those of men across the European Union. 
The highest gender pay gap was recorded in Latvia, 22%, and the lowest was in Luxembourg, 0.7%. In Italy, the gender pay gap is 4.2%. In Spain, it's 9.4%. In France, 15.8%. And in Germany, it's 18.3%. Now, here are some interesting facts about the gender pay gap. It is generally much lower for new employees, for new recruits, than it is for more experienced employees. The gender pay gap tends to widen with age and experience. Here's another interesting fact. It's significantly higher in the private sector versus the public sector. And this might be due to the fact that in most countries, pay in the public sector is determined by transparent wage agreements that apply equally to men and women. What are the causes of the gender pay gap? That's a big question, and we're not going to try and answer it today, but it includes a lot of historical, economic and social factors. It can also potentially include something that is known as unconscious bias. That was the second interesting concept that we heard in the most recent paragraph from the episode. So what is unconscious bias? Let me give you an example. You are sitting on a British Airways aeroplane. You're awaiting takeoff. And like most people, you're a little bit of a nervous traveler. The pilot starts to speak over the intercom to tell you and all the other passengers to expect some severe turbulence on the flight to your destination. The voice of the pilot is that of a young woman with an Indian accent. How does that make you feel? If it makes you feel surprised, if it makes you feel even more nervous than you were before, then you are exhibiting unconscious bias. You were expecting the voice of an older English man, not a younger Indian woman. And now you and the other passengers are confronted with a situation that you are unfamiliar with and possibly uncomfortable with. This is unconscious bias. It's an irrational prejudice for or against a person or a group of people. And this bias comes from our very human need to simplify and categorize the complex world we live in. So what needs to happen next? Well, we need our rational mind to challenge these instinctive feelings. Question why we feel uncomfortable with the voice of a young female Indian pilot. We need our rational mind to help us behave in a way that's fair and make the right decisions. Because the fact is, There's no evidence 
that young people are worse pilots than old, that women are worse than men, or that Indians are worse than British. So why do we feel uncomfortable? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Okay, let's end this episode with a little exercise that is designed to enrich your use of adjectives. Have a listen to this again. Park got off the bus and entered his workplace. He passed under the huge clock at the entrance of the Ministry of Information. So Park passed under a huge clock. And here we are using the adjective huge instead of saying very big. And as an advanced speaker, what you should be doing is whenever you find yourself using the adverb very, followed by an adjective, challenge yourself to find a more advanced adjective that has a more precise meaning. So in this case, you can say huge, enormous, gigantic, massive. You see, there are so many cool alternatives to very big. Okay, let's play a game. I am going to give you four very plus adjective combinations. And what I would like you to do is to transform these combinations into a single advanced adjective. Okay, so I will say very big, and you will say massive, enormous, gigantic. Okay, so get as creative as you can with these words. In each case, I'm going to give you just three seconds to come up with one or two alternatives. So here we go. Here's the first one. Very good. Well, you could say excellent, but you could also say outstanding, amazing, terrific. Mm, be careful with the word terrific. It actually means very, very good. Right, here's the next one. Are you ready? Very bad. You could say awful. That was an awful presentation. You could even go one step further and say it was horrendous. That was a horrendous decision. And of course, you could also use terrible. Yeah, so there you go. Terrible means very, very bad. And terrific means very, very good. Okay, here's the next one. Are you ready? Very interesting. You could say fascinating. You could say compelling or intriguing. That was a very intriguing novel. That was a very compelling argument. That was a fascinating report. They're all much more interesting than saying very interesting. Okay, and finally, what about this one? Very boring. Dull. That's a great word for very boring. It even sounds like a very boring word. Dull. That was a dull presentation. Tedious. Monotonous. 
How many of those adjectives are you actually familiar with? Probably quite a few of them because they have a Latin origin. And words of a Latin origin that are used in the English language almost always sound intellectual, cultured, and sophisticated. So there you go. Whenever you think of very plus an adjective, try to challenge yourself to find the more appropriate, more precise, and possibly Latin-based alternative. That brings us to the end of today's session. If you'd like to receive more formal classes with me, either in advanced business English or public speaking, then just search Club Grattan and you will find us. We hope that you will join us for the next podcast. Until then, keep bringing English into your life and let's all keep our fingers crossed and hope that one day, very soon, Park J. Bong will lose his virginity.